Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I hope everybody is having an absolutely fantastic day. It is a nice cloudy day, cloudy Wednesday here in Seattle, Washington. I hope you guys are doing good. Um, this is going to be a good episode. We have Andy Gerchuk with us from All City Adjusting. Uh, we don't talk about this often, but it's a very important topic going into insurance, insurance claims and um, you know what you can expect and what you should no, going into one of those. Um, I had a, you know, kind of a mishap in my own past. And so this is really good information. I'm super excited to, uh, to jump into this. Andy, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Gabe, thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Um, I told you before we got on here, we like stories. We like to hear how people got to where they are today. So why yeah. don't you take us to the beginning of your story? How'd you get started in real estate? Yeah. Um, real estate kind of was always my first love. I actually, before I even got to adjusting, uh, was uh, looking into wholesaling and, and kind of started going that way. Um, but then the adjusting stuff happened. I uh, started that business. It's been over 10 years. And with the money from the business uh, income, we've just purchased properties as we go. We started with you know duplexes. And now, as I was telling you, we're doing a 1031 into uh, a commercial building, a 15,000 square foot office uh, building. Nice, man. I love it. Um, so how'd you, how'd you get started in adjusting? That's uh, it sounds like you started in real estate and then you went to adjusting and then you've used the funds from adjusting to kind of, you know, propel your real estate career forward. Yeah. I always liked real estate. It was always something on my head, you know, we're going to invest or buy something. And then when we got married with my wife, we ended up buying our first property, which was a duplex. And then we bought more from there. The adjusting was, you know, that was my pathway through construction. I met someone that was in the adjusting business that kind of mentored me um, into this. So nice. Yeah. And then, and then kind of, you know, real estate and what I do kind of go well together. So yeah, yeah. Um, having, I mean, having a mentor—that's a perfect way to get into any career path, especially real estate. I mean, adjusting—I'm sure it's the same way. So that makes a lot of sense. Was huge, definitely, uh, definitely very helpful. Yep. Um, so you guys, you guys do adjusting. All City Adjusting is your company. Um, insurance claims are a headache for everybody. <laughs> whenever yep. you, whenever you have to do one, I hope you guys out there listening don't have to do an insurance claim. I hope all of your properties are just—they run like butter through their entire existence. But a lot of times that doesn't happen and you have to reach out to an adjuster. Um, so a lot of questions I kind of, that kind of come up and I want to take this podcast, but I want to use an example. Um, I had uh, a self-storage facility, have a self-storage facility in, uh, in Arkansas. I don't want to use specifics here just in case there's some issue, but um, there was a massive break-in at this facility. Like some group of thieves or whatever came in, they broke tons of doors, destroyed the property. And so I had to do an insurance claim. The insurance adjusters came out there and they said that I, uh, they gave me a $30,000 value. And when I, you know, when I looked at the property and I looked at the damage, I figured it would be upwards of a hundred thousand dollars. Um, at the time I just didn't have the, the research, the, the bandwidth to really pursue this. And so I accepted the 30,000 and moved on with it. Of course, I wasn't able to do all of the repairs with that 30000 It was a lot more than I expected. 
um, or that I've thought. But uh, the, the thing that I keep coming back to is why or how do you as an owner of a property, how do you make sure that you get the appropriate amount for your um, for your claims when you do submit them? Correct. So, I mean, uh, number one, or the, the best way I could tell is obviously, you know, have a public adjuster or hire a public adjuster. That's going to ensure, especially if you hire the right one, that's going to ensure that you get the max settlement, that the claims move smoothly. Um, and, you know, the, the claim is then, you know, favors you. And that, that scenario of where they gave you an offer, it's low, you kind of knew about it, but you have accepted it is kind of, you know, a long story. It's been written in books where, you know, if you accept that first offer, that's kind of what they want, right? If they can lowball a claim, you accept it, take it, do the repairs. Well, now you've you've done it. It's too late for us to get involved or do anything. So, you know, best advice is to to have a public adjuster if you can on your team before you even, you know, when you start your uh, investing career or, or, you know, if you're in the middle of it, get one on your team, just like an attorney um, and have one ready. But if not, when you do have that claim, call out and talk to a couple of PAs and, you know, and it's, you know, we look at claims for free all the time, um, but call sooner than later and, and don't try to think you're going to do it on your own is, you know, Oh, I'm going to save, you know, a fee. I'm not going to have to pay everyone, I'll pay someone. They're going to, the insurance is going to take care of me. You know, it's, I'm going to do it on my own. It's, it's not that way. And I'll tell you right now, I have a claim on my own property uh, on our second home we own. And it's a good insurance company that I, at least I thought, you know, was one of the better ones I paid a higher premium for. We had a claim, handled it as a homeowner, as myself, who, again, I didn't tell them what I do for a living. And literally for three months, it was just back and forth. It just, it was a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, yeah, that is, it's an annoying process. And I feel like, especially when, when you're, when it's a, income generating property and you're losing out on revenue and all this, Correct. you know, all the things that ha- that happen when you do run into an issue. Um, it can definitely be a damper on the, on your mood about that specific property. Um, so before it sounds like that, what you need to do is start preparing for some kind of uh, claim before it actually happens. Um, is there anything that a- an investor should do when they have a property um, or that should they should be keeping records of or anything like that that they should have before the uh, claim actually arises? No, I mean, what you want is you want to make sure that you're, you actually have the right policies in place for your properties, right? We do free you know, policy reviews all the time for our clients. Um, look at their properties, look at the policies, make sure there's no you know, uh, missing coverage or anything else that, you know, any open liabilities. Um, but as an insured, you know, if you have rentals, I mean, you, you want to just have, you know, as many documents as you can, you know, photos of the properties, how they look and everything like that. You know, and it's and it's hard, right? If you own 50, 100 properties, you know, how do you document all that? You don't. So the best thing you can do is just make sure you have the right coverage um, and you're insured the right way. Does it protect you from getting paid? No, you're still going to get lowballed. You're, you might still, the claim is going to get delayed or denied. It's just, that's kind of the claim process these days. So, um, yeah, and that's actually, that's what they did for my claim is that they said that, um, a good portion of the damages were there prior to the, the incident. And I was like, you know, that's not the case, but I didn't have pictures. I didn't, I couldn't prove it. I couldn't, you know, yeah. th- there were, I didn't have video, you know, security cameras cause we didn't have Correct. them up at, at that point. Um, and so there was nothing that I could do to really fight it. And I didn't feel like a claims adjuster could come in because I didn't have any evidence, um, to argue against it. And so. So it sounds like the number one thing that you can do is just keep record of 
your property maybe once every quarter, once every um, every year, even if you just take pictures of the property to prove the state that it's in as time goes on. Um, so if you do have a claim, you can go back and reference that and say, hey, on July 12th of 2023, this is what the property looked like. You can see these doors weren't broken. This this roof wasn't caved in, whatever the issue yep. is. Yeah. And then that, that would be the, the ideal situation. Okay? But, you know, again, when you own, you know, uh, uh, when you start building a big portfolio, it gets harder and harder to do all that and manage all that. So, you know, and insurance companies are now getting to a point where, you know, they're sending out engineers. They might have sent an engineer to your property, maybe a vendor, you know, uh, they just want to build the story, right? Oh, it was pre you know, this was wear and tear. It's old damage, you know, it's lack of maintenance. They use all these kind of terms just to underpay because they still paid your claim, right? Mm. But they yeah. just undervalue, right? They pick and choose what they want to pay for. And, uh, you know, how can they get away with paying the, the smallest amount? Yeah. 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 They still, I did get money from that. Um, it was just half of what I thought it should be. And it actually did turn out to be less than half of what the actual repairs were. So, um, so that's good to know. Uh, you've mentioned multiple times that you need to be insured the right way. So what is, what does that mean to you when it comes, you know, insured the right way? What are, what is the right way to be insured? Yeah. So when we're looking at the policy, making sure that the policy matches the property, that there's that the right endorsements are there, that you don't have any um, these days exclusions, um, you know, and exclusions are if you're, for example, we saw we looked at a big uh, commercial property um, and we're looking at the policy and the policy states if the roof is older than 10 years, we'll only pay you on the actual cash value, meaning we'll only pay you what the job is, what what the roof is worth now. So they'll basically cut half of your payment right there. Mm, so if you have minimal damage, it's not even, it might, it's not even worth filing that claim. So we look at all these, all these things that when you do actually have a claim down the road, maybe you'll not, you never will. But if you do, they, you know, you'll have the least pushback and you'll have the highest chance of getting your claim paid. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, how about when to, when to file a claim? I mean, at what, what is the limit that people should, Look for to to the point where they say, okay, now this is enough damage to where I should be filing a claim. Correct, and and so you know when it's enough, you want it's, it's it has to be sudden, right? Because you know long term exposure, long term damage is not covered. That's just maintenance issue, right? But you know, well, it, how it, about um, just jumping in here? How about yeah, if one door is broken into, um, and you say, okay, this isn't enough, and then, and I'm I'm just coming from the perspective of self storage because this is this is the issue yeah. that I've been uh, I've been talking about. But you know, a lot of times. Um, you can be broken into multiple times over the course of a month, even, and you, you know, you try to fix it, you get the cops involved, you have your security cameras and you're just not able to stop it. Um, so if you didn't do it the first time, cause it was only one door, the second time, three doors got broken into. And then the third time, like 10 doors got broken into, um, would you, would you go back and say, Hey, these, I don't know how many numbers I said, these 15 doors are, yeah. are broken or, uh, or would you do it on for each instance? See, that's, that's, that should be a separate claim each time because each mm. time the property okay. gets vandalized or, you know, um, or theft occurs, that's a, that's a sep- that's a, it's, it's its own peril. So it's, it's each has its own claim. Now that's something I would discuss, you know, and there's agents that do special policies like this, discuss it because this is kind of a different situation with, uh, with what you have with storage facilities when it's happening, you know, like, Hey, it happens one day, then three days later it happens on a different unit and then another unit, you know, technically it's separate claims. So you can't wait till you have a certain amount. You should file each time. But Mm. if you file each time, 
you know, to repair it might not even be worth your deductible. Right. Yeah. Then it doesn't. So it doesn't make sense, right? So it doesn't even make sense to to file it. So that's the limit that you guys you generally suggest is that wait until you hit your deductible. If it's above that, then you know, on a case Correct. by case basis, make a make and, a decision. And when we when you know for for our clients and 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 all our clients, we work with the investors and landlords. You know, they'll call us. We'll say, okay, just send us a photo. Let's see what's going on, and then we'll be able to dissect. Okay, yeah, you know, don't file a claim. There's nothing here. Just do this. Maintain it. Um, or we'll say, yeah, you know what, let's actually go take a look at this. This can actually be a large claim and it's worth filing for you. So, um, we'll do that for our clients to make sure that if they're going to file, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be, they'll be in the best position. They can, you know, uh, when everything is set and done. That makes sense. Um, if, we, if, the... we, if I file, if I file a claim for you, Gabe, and I file, you know, we file a claim and it barely goes past your deductible. I mean, what benefit does that bring to our, to the insured? Yeah. Um, what about the situations that you most often see people bring to you and you say, this actually isn't a good idea to file? Um, is there any specific situation that ho- pops up you know, more often than not? Uh, right now, in, so in Chicago, we had uh, what happens in Chicago, they close the sewers down, um, the water drainage system. So when it's, uh, it's a downpour of rain, they'll close downtown. So all that water backs into all the people, like the, the not the suburbs, but the outside homes and the, and the subdivisions. And so we were getting a ton of calls with water backup. Well, water backup, they're like, it's flood. Well, flood's not covered because you're not in a flood zone. And water backup. Oh, interesting. You have to be in a flood zone for it to, for flood to be covered? Correct. So oh, like, oh, we well, had, we oh had yeah. The difference between flooding and water zoning. That makes sense. Okay. Correct. So you, yeah, we right. had a flood. Well, okay. First of all, you're not covered. And then, well, you know, we had sewer backup. Well, unless you actually have a water backup or sewer backup endorsement, then you're not covered as well. Yeah. So most of these losses that people call about, unfortunately, were not covered. Interesting. Okay. So you really got to be specific on the things that you are covered for. Um, because Correct. I mean, so sewer backup, should... that's really, I mean, it's not super common, but it definitely happens. Um, Correct. And so that's something that you would specifically have to call out when you're getting your insurance. Say, hey, I want to be insured for the, the instance of when my sewer backs up or, you know, whatever. Correct. So, you know, a lot of people don't have that endorsement. It's not an expensive one. But they don't have it. If they have a finished basement, let's say there's a tenant staying in a finished basement that's you know a two bedroom with a kitchenette, and they don't have that endorsement. I mean, you know, and that endorsement should be at least in fifteen twenty thousand, um, so they have enough coverage then to put everything back. So, what are the you know top five endorsements you most oftentimes see are missing in people's insurance policies? Yeah, lawn ordinance is missing. Uh, which is a common one, especially on older homes. You know, codes change all the time. So having law endorsement uh, when property suffers damage and then, you know, the city requires to bring stuff, certain up stuff up to code, even though it wasn't damaged by the, by for example, the fire or water damage, they owe you, the insurance company would owe you to bring that to, you know, to, to code. So that's one um, okay. that's missing on a lot of them. Um, the water backup, um, the sewer water backup uh, is missing on a lot of them. Which other one? Um, uh, even a replacement cost. Um, that's a, one where people don't have the full replacement cost. They only have the actual cash value policy, which is, um, you know, I don't want to get into actual cash value replacement cost, but it basically harms you um, when you have uh, when you have a loss because you're only going to get a certain amount instead of the full payout. You're only going to get half of it, you know, if not less. Right, because it's the value of what it is versus what it would be if you built it new. Ex- exactly. Yeah. So you could be her uh, co-insurance too. 
Uh, you know, we see co-insurance, you know, penalties, people underinsure their buildings. You know, the buildings are worth a lot more than the insurance they carry. And then they have an insurance, uh, uh, co-insurance clause that hurts them you know, a lot too. So what is, uh, what is co-insurance? Co-insurance is basically a, it's a penalty, um, to make sure that you actually insure the building to value. Oh, interesting. So you get okay. pe- you, so you you would get penalized, and that's on a lot of commercial, maybe not residential, but a lot of commercial buildings um, and storage facilities. We see that a lot where there's a co-insurance clause in there. Hmm. Okay, that's good to know. Um, right on. So, uh, I mean, you've given a lot so far. It looks like we are running through our time. Before we move to the quick question round, I do want to ask about your portfolio. It sounds like you're getting into commercial. Um, Why did you choose office? Yeah. Uh, we have a we have so we had an office building uh, that got too small, and we wanted so we have residential properties, and we needed a new office. So we were looking, but there was nothing on the market. So we found something to rent, which I didn't want to do. But I talked to the agent, and he said, "Well, the the owner might actually be interested in selling." So when we talked more, he said, "Okay, well, you know, make an offer. We're like, well, just how much would he want?" He gave us an amount uh, and a uh, dollar amount. And we made a deal. Um, and the office we have before that we're moving from is just, you know, there's less problems. There's less calls. Uh, you know, people are only there half a day. They're not living there. Um, seems the income is more. Um, just everything is, you know, so go into this new commercial building. When we do the numbers, the numbers add up. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a higher number to get into. But I feel like there's less headaches and the income is just, it's just just much more than on the on the residential side. So, um, yeah. So we're we're looking forward. It's a, we're doing a ten thirty one exchange, um, going selling one of our uh, duplexes and actually moving into this uh, this office building. Right on, man. Well, congratulations. That's uh, pretty exciting. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Well, that uh, that wraps it up. It is time to jump into the quick question round. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Starts with books or any form of education. Give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom, one for real estate or business specific. Uh, uh, general wisdom, the four agreements is great. Good one. That's a great one. And then for real estate, oof, I mean, rich, uh, rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, that's a classic. You haven't yeah. that one. That one should be on, on top of the list. Yeah, that one's solid. Uh, Four Agreements is like one of my all-time favorite books. That's a that's a great call out. Um, all right, next question. This is for your younger self. So let's go back to the Andy who was uh, just starting as a wholesaler. He hadn't even gotten into adjusting yet. Go back to him. Look him in the eye. Give him one piece of advice moving forward. Ooh, uh, slow down. Uh, I guess slow down and do things slower and don't jump into everything so quick. Uh, probably would have avoided a bunch of mistakes, but... Interesting. Yeah, no, that's, that's good advice. Um, a lot of times, I mean, a lot of people say that they wish they got started sooner, but there's also good advice in don't start when it's not the appropriate time to start. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. I mean, slowing down, especially when it comes to having that, you know, that, uh, that flashy object syndrome where you just want to jump to one thing to the other and, and not focus on, uh, on one path. Um, good advice. Love it. Next question. Let's uh, go to your business. The first three positions you hire, form the foundation of your company. So what were the first three positions for you? And would you do it differently if you did it again today? Uh, positions that we hired for the company? Yep. Uh, uh, the office manager position probably would be the most important. Mm. Um, that would be the most important. Uh, our field estimator would be our second. 
And our third would be our content specialist. So those three positions would be for us, the, the biggest positions for myself that helped uh, kind of, you know, excel the company. Cool. Love it. All right. The next question is about the U.S. It's a big place. A lot of opportunity out there. Give me the single city, the single metro you're most excited about investing in today. Oh, Northwest Indiana, the area we live in. Uh, it's, you know, you get a lot of people coming in from Illinois. Uh, we got in here seven years ago, which, you know, we were kind of, uh, we were kind of on the last kind of still had good deals and, and it's still good place. It's fine, but um, it's a great place to invest. It's a, it's a good place for families. It's yeah, it's a good area. Sweet. All right. Next question is about finding the deal. It all starts with uh, reaching out, getting in contact with those sellers. So what is your favorite way to generate leads? Uh, uh, to me, it's just contact. Um, literally every, I feel like every building we've bought, everything we've gotten is just us calling, just networking, you know, uh, the first uh, commercial building we bought was from a landlord as well. I was renting an office. You know, we talked about it. I was like, oh, if you ever have anything for sale. And we kept talking, staying in touch. All of a sudden, he's like, hey, I bought this house by X. Like, someone gave me this house, wherever the deal was. And he's like, you know, it's not on the market. Do you want to take a look at it? We went to look at it. We made a deal right there on the spot. So those are the best ones. I love it when they just kind of come out of the woodwork, especially when you're yep. just having a conversation with someone. And they're like, hey, I'll sell you this property. You're like, done. Let's do it. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good feeling uh, when those happen. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next question um, is about lessons. Uh, you know, sometimes things don't go right, but in those uh, in those moments of catastrophe, there's always great lessons learned. So what was the, and give me a story here, but what was the biggest lesson that you learned in real estate so far? In real estate that we learned so far? Um, let me see. Oof. Uh, I should have should have thought about that. Uh, biggest loss in real estate. Hmm. Uh, it's all good if you don't have anything specific. Um, yeah, I, I, you, I don't. I don't. You cut me off. No, no worries. No worries. I kind of uh, I threw that one. I uh, it's actually not on the list that I send people. So oh, uh, so thanks. Andy was caught <laughs> off guard. <laughs> All right, Andy. Well, that uh, that brings us to the last question. This is for the listeners. You've given us a lot to think about. I'm sure yeah. people want to reach out, get in contact with you. What is yeah. the best way for them to do that? Yeah, for your listeners, I'll leave uh, I'll leave everyone actually my my personal line that they can get a hold of me. Um, they could check us out obviously on our website, allcityadjusting.com. Um, follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, YouTube. Um, but for your listeners, if they want to reach out, um, I'll leave them with with my number, which is going to be 708-655-4186. And they can call me, text me if they have questions. Um, we'll try to help as many people as we can. Sweet. I'll put that those links in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out to Andy, just click a little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description and in there you can find those links. All right, man, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Gabe, thank you so much. Appreciate yep. it. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe, at the real estate investing club.com. And I have, this is uh, unscripted, but I've been thinking about making new courses on different topics. Um, the, the one that I previously made on, uh, on generating leads was a success. People find, uh, it seems that people are finding good use in that. And so I'm curious what topics you guys want to learn about in real estate. Um, if you have any ideas, just send me an email, Gabe at the real estate investing club.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. 
so that wraps it up. I will see you guys on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.